Hello and welcome to the Proscar Benefits Brief, legal insight on employee benefits and executive compensation. I'm David Teigman, a partner in the tax department at Proscar, and with me today is my colleague Nicholas Spina, who is a senior counsel in our employee benefits and executive compensation group, and Michelle Garrett, who is a principal at the well-known compensation consulting firm Semler Brasi. Welcome to you both. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Today, I wanted to talk about employee retention. It seems like there is an article almost every day talking about the great resignation. In a nutshell, there have been far more job transitions recently than there have been in the past. Michelle, why do you think that is the case? It's hard to say exactly what the cause of the issue is, and we can't underestimate the opportunity the pandemic has provided in reassessing priorities and, in some cases, motivating people to make major decisions about their lives and career. But certainly, the prevalence of the remote working environment is helping to facilitate job transitions. That is, employees no longer have to move to find their perfect job. They can simply work at the same desk and transition to a new company and a new role without moving anywhere. They don't even need to worry about finding an excuse to be outside the office for a job interview. That's a good point, Michelle. Are there any industries that appear to be more affected than others? We recently conducted a pulse survey of our own clients on this topic at year-end, and our results show that there is significant concern around employee retention across industries, with two-thirds of companies reporting employee retention challenges above what's been typical in the past. Not surprisingly, the retail and hospitality industry seems to be particularly impacted, and the war for digital talent was evident also, with many companies reporting an increase in voluntary attrition rates of over 50% among technical talent. But it will be interesting to see how this develops with stock prices and the industry tiering. That's very interesting. Nick, to combat the rising levels of attrition, what are you seeing employers do to help retain employees? So one common approach right now amongst a lot of employers is awarding retention bonuses. The interesting thing about this approach and something that I think a lot of employers are struggling with in the current environment is that if enough employers are offering these retention bonuses, can we even really call them retention bonuses? Are they really just market compensation at this point in certain industries? Or even just making it more expensive for companies to recruit talent, since in many cases they will need to make an employee whole for a bonus that the employee may be forfeiting from an employer that the employee is leaving. That's a fair point, Nick. Could you talk a little bit more about the structure of these retention bonuses? Sure. There are a variety of structures, and they can range from quite simple to fairly complicated. On one end of the spectrum, companies can simply implement payments tied to continued employment. So, for example, a company could offer an employee a $100,000 retention bonus, 50% of which is paid in six months, and the remaining 50% is paid one year down the line, subject to the employee being employed on the payment dates and in good standing. On the more complicated side, a company could tie a retention bonus to both continued employment and performance metrics. You raise a good point about using performance metrics here. It's interesting on a couple of levels. First, for public companies, I think the proxy advisors like ISS and Glass-Lewis are going to want to see performance metrics for the most senior executives where their compensation is reported in annual proxy statements. ISS and Glass-Lewis generally disfavor compensation that is not tied to performance, particularly if the new retention bonuses are plugging a hole for compensation that was not otherwise earned under the existing LTIP program. The point is that the retention bonuses really shouldn't be a way to reward an executive of a company that is not otherwise performing well. Second, I think a company needs to be quite careful when using performance metrics in retention bonuses. If the performance metrics are too difficult to achieve, 
This could undermine the retention component of the program. Michelle, are there any particular industries where you are seeing significant use of retention bonuses or other compensation vehicles aimed at addressing retention concerns? As we've all been hearing, the tech industry is driving some of the largest and most disruptive pay trends that we're seeing in today's market. The more traditional retention bonuses Nick addressed are less prevalent here, actually, and instead, where we've seen the most activity is around equity grants, both grant size contributing to a general increase in executive pay and changes to vesting terms. Some tech companies have short investing periods to as short as one year with grants made each year. And we've also seen a significant increase in the use of front-loaded founder equity awards with rigorous stock price hurdles. Interestingly, these changes have ripple effects throughout industries, particularly as non-tech companies recruiting digital talent have to rethink their equity grant practices and levels, in some cases even creating different structures and programs for technical talent. But again, watch this space as we may start to see some changes here given stock price volatility in the industry. Thank you, Michelle. We've talked about certain money aspects of retaining employees, but to Nick's point, if lots of companies are offering retention bonuses, what else can companies do to potentially ease attrition? Yes, there's definitely more to a job than simply the financial aspects. More than ever before, companies are focused on driving a good culture, a culture that rewards teamwork where all members of the team are working towards the company's goals together. The power of the manager-employee relationship has also become increasingly evident, with attrition impacted significantly by the extent to which employees feel that their managers provide constructive feedback, professional growth opportunities, and at the same time are also invested in getting to know them on a personal level. What's interesting about this is that, ironically, a company's compensation program can actually further the cultural goals of a company by creating performance metrics that reward this type of behavior. These metrics could include hard goals, for example, with respect to the number of employees you're mentoring as a manager. In fact, at the large financial services companies, we've begun to see goals relating to driving good company culture incorporated into individual scorecards used for determining pay. And I wouldn't be surprised if this slowly becomes more commonplace in companies' annual bonus programs for key executives who wouldn't otherwise be typically expected to have comp tied to HR-type outcomes. Thank you, Michelle. That's very interesting. Nick, we've talked about rewarding employees, but now I want to turn to the proverbial stick. Is there anything that an employer can do to restrict the movement of its employees? Yeah, employers could implement, if they do not already have them, restrictive covenants. I'm talking here specifically about non-compete and non-solicitation arrangements. However, that approach is not really free from risk. Could you tell us a little bit more about these risks? Sure. Several states either flatly prohibit certain restrictive covenants, in particular non-competes and non-solicits of customers in certain contexts, or restrict their use. Even where a state might allow restrictive covenants, there's always a risk that the restrictive covenants could be deemed to be overbroad and therefore unenforceable. Careful planning and drafting can help to mitigate these risks, as can tying the covenants to significant payments or benefits. Said another way, restricted covenants often are not used as retention tools alone, but in combination with other tools that are more appetizing to employees. Of course, restrictive covenants also do very little to prevent an employee from making a career change and taking a new job with a non-competitive employer. Michelle Nick, thank you so much for this informative discussion about the retention issues that so many industries are facing today. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on the Proscar Benefits Brief today. 
Stay tuned for more insights on employee benefits and executive compensation, and be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thank you again.